of our series called Vision. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the go out section of our vision. And uh, through the whole month of November, we've been talking about the vision of great. Just so you know, is to get in, to grow up, and go out. That's the vision of Grace Church. And uh, today we're going to be talking about the go out section um, of our vision. And, and this message is going to be so important because the role that Christians, the role that churches play in their cultures is critically important. I mean, critically important. And uh, this morning, I, before I jump into the message, I don't know if Travis is, is up here yet, Travis Mooney. Um, I'm going to actually, uh, what's that? Oh, they're coming. All right, they're on their way. I'm going to invite a couple people up, and I'm going to pray for them because we're talking about going out, and we have a couple families that are going to be going out. Um, they're actually going on a missions trip down into Mexico, and uh, it's here in a couple weeks. And uh, so, Jerry, if you would go ahead and make your way up, and uh, I'll just talk and, like, kill time while we're waiting for Travis. Is that cool? All right? Oh, all right, here we go. Yeah, they're on their way. Sweet. Um, and this is Jerry Garrity, and he and, and the Moonies are actually going to Mexico. You guys can go ahead and come on up. And uh, they're going down into uh, um, an orphanage to help some kids. And he actually has um, four bags here um, of four specific children that he's going to be helping and the Moonies that they're going to be going and helping. And if you guys are interested in helping to fill these bags up with some of the needs that these children need, um, they are going to be hand-delivered by the Garrities and by the Moonies. And so if you would like to help fill these bags up with some specific needs, if you would, right after the service today, talk to Jerry, okay? And he'll tell you exactly what, what needs to be done to get these bags filled. And um, they're going to hand-deliver them to these children. And it's going to be just a, a great ministry. And so if you guys would, I'm just going to pray for the Garrities. I'm going to pray for the Moonies. And uh, this is exactly what we want. We want people in Grace Church going out, okay, going out and making a difference in the world, making a difference and helping to build the kingdom of God. And, uh, man, this is just a great picture right here for us. And so if you guys would join me. And you know what? Like, we're not a, we're, we're not a very charismatic church, but... Maybe I'm trying to lead us more that way because charismatics, they, they, they know how to pray. They know how to get excited, all right? And sometimes you guys look like you're still recovering from your turkey coma, all right? Um, so let's try to digest that turkey. Let's wake up this morning. But I want to ask if you guys would just extend your hand out, okay, to the Moonies, to the Garrities. And that's just letting them know that you're with them in prayer. And if you guys would do that as I pray, I would greatly appreciate it. Dear Jesus, we just come to you this morning. And we're so thankful for the Garrities. We're so thankful for the Moonies uh, being willing to go out and uh, being willing to go to Mexico and to help some children, and specifically these four children, um, the bags that Jerry holds here. Lord, I pray for these, these kids. I pray that their needs would be met. I pray that we as a church would be able to fill these bags, and, and they're going to be hand-delivered from people from our own church. I mean, how exciting is that? How cool is that? And I pray that they would be able to get their needs met. And um, I pray for a safe travel. I pray for a safe trip. Um, their kids are going to be going. And, man, what a great experience for the Moonies, for the Garrities, and for these children up here, these awesome boys. You guys are awesome. And, uh, man, I just pray that they would have such a great time. They would have fun. And they would get to see the love of Christ in action. And, uh, man, this would set a path for them as they grow up to be men that would be a path towards Jesus. And, um, man, I just pray uh, that you would bless their journey, bless their trip, pray that we as a church would just get around them, support them, pray for them, encourage them. And um, once again, I just pray that we'd be able to fill these bags. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Jerry. You guys give them a hand, huh? That's awesome. Cool. This message this morning, um, man, it's really important. This is a really important message, and, and uh, timing-wise, I probably wasn't the brightest doing it on a holiday weekend because all eight of us that are here, it's great to have you. Um, but uh, the message this morning is important because, once again, the role that we play as Christians, the role that churches play in their communities is, is very important. And our church, Grace Church, is located in Durango, Colorado. If you guys didn't know that already, okay? We're in Durango. And many of us that come to Grace Church, many of us commute from Bayfield. Some of us commute from Ignacio. A lot of us come right here from Durango. We even have one family that commutes all the way from Pagosa. You guys are awesome, the Waples. 
okay? And they love this church so much, they, they drive here every weekend from Pagosa. That's an hour away. So um, whatever your excuse was for not coming to church, it's not a good one, all right? Right now, I just want to take some time, though, to tell you about the city of Durango. And let me just be up front, and let me just say that we, Grace Church, we love Durango, okay? We love La Plata County. We're not here to fight the city. We're here to serve the city. That's what we're here for. We don't want to be just a great church. We want to be a great church that's in a great community, that's in a great city. We love Durango. And and let me just tell you a little bit about Durango, all right? The population of Durango right now currently is sitting right at 17,000 people in Durango. 52,000 people are in La Plata County. Um, The median age in Durango is 30 years old, okay? It's a very young community, which is, I like that. Um, Many people that live here have moved here from somewhere else. And, And let me just see a show of hands. How many of you in this room right now, how many of you moved here to Durango from somewhere else, if you would just raise your hands? All right, see, that's the majority of Durango. Um, I was born and raised here. I think Brett was. I think we're the only ones. So um, welcome to Durango. It's good to have you. Uh, Durango is a very intellectual, educated city, if you didn't know this. Um, We're very intellectual, very educated, but we hide it very well. Um, Close to half the population... um, in Durango has at least a bachelor's degree in college. Um, We're a creative city. We're very social. We're very artsy. There's coffee shops everywhere. Um, And when you moved here, you probably found out very quickly that Durango is an expensive place to live, all right? I don't think 40 grand will buy you a bed in the homeless shelter, all right? It's very expensive here. And uh, the median household income And that means both husband and wife are working, and that's the norm in Durango. That's the norm in most households. Both husband and wife are working. The median household income is $53,000 a year. Here's an interesting thing, too. When it comes to families, over 52% of the homes in Durango are either single-parent homes or it's couples living together without being married, okay? A lot of single-parent families in Durango. And when it comes to religion, listen to this one. When it comes to religion, only 35% of the people in Durango say that they're affiliated with any religion, okay? 35%. So there's a great need right here in our own community for Jesus, all right? There's a lot of people that are lost. There's a lot of people that don't know um, the saving power of Jesus Christ. So Durango is very expensive. It's very educated. It's young. It's artsy. It's very uh, laid back, if you haven't noticed. Durango's a very laid back culture, and Durango loves to recycle, all right? That's Durango. Um, That's who we are, Um, and you might be wondering, so why all the details about Durango? Because we are to go out, and we are to go out to the people in our community. We're to go out to Durango, and we need to know a little bit about the people that we're trying to reach. That's the whole reason why I just shared a lot of those things. We need to know our culture. We need to know about the people we're going to reach. So where are we going? We're going out to be missionaries to the non-Christians all over our county. That's our job, Grace Church. We're going out to be missionaries to our culture, to all the non-Christians that live, that reside, that work, that play in our county. And I know many of you are thinking, you know, that's all nice and well. It's all You know, it's it's church talk. But how in the world do we go out? How do we go out? What can we do as a church? What can we do for the city of Durango? How can we make this a great city, a great county? How can we love people? What do we have to offer? What does Grace Church have to offer this community? And the answer, let me answer that for you very quickly. Grace Church, we have the gospel, okay? We have the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is our gift to the city. What Durango, what La Plata County, what Bayfield, what Ignacio, what Silverton, Mancus, Cortez, what they need most 
They need Jesus. That's what they need. They need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and we have it. That's our gift. But let's look at what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, in verses 3 through 8. And just, if you don't know, I, I love Paul, um, and we're going to look at a lot of what Paul has to say today. But Paul, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 3 through 8, he says, For I deliver to you as of first importance. Okay, Paul's saying this is the most important thing. If you're wondering, what's the most important thing? This is it. For I delivered to you as first importance what I also received. That Christ, that's speaking of Jesus, he died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. And just so you know, the death of Jesus Christ is a historical fact. It happened. It really did. And there's a lot of proof outside of the Bible that it happened. Okay, it's a historical fact. He died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He, that he was buried. Okay, Jesus was really dead. He was dead. He was buried. And that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. Okay, if you've ever wondered, I don't know, I mean, you don't have to raise your hands, but you've heard the term gospel a lot, and sometimes people are very confused. What is the gospel? The gospel is right there. The gospel is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That is the gospel. There it is, right there. That's the most important thing. And if you're here, you're kind of skeptical about Jesus and the whole, you know, God thing, there's further evidence. Let's keep reading. He, he, he raised again in accordance with the scriptures on the third day. And, that, and then he appeared to Cephas and to, to the twelve, that's the disciples, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. 500 eyewitnesses saw Jesus Christ after he had come back to life. I don't know about you, but that's a lot of eyewitnesses. If you were standing in court and the judge was like, hey, what's your proof? And you're like, judge, I got 500 eyewitnesses, okay? That would be a pretty strong, um, that would be pretty strong evidence for your case. He says, then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time most of whom are still alive, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles. Last of all, as to one untimely born, he appeared also to me. And that's speaking of Paul. Man, right there is just a, a lot of proof, a lot of eyewitnesses. Listen, the Bible's true. If you're just wondering what this book is all about, I just want to declare to us this morning, the Bible is true. We all in this room, we're all sinners. God has given us salvation through His Son, Jesus. And it's through Jesus alone. That's the message, Grace Church. That's the message that we need to take to our culture. That's the message that we need to take to our city, to our county, to the world, is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We all need to get in. We all need to grow up so that we can all go out and make a difference in the world and help to build the kingdom of God. The ways that we go out, okay? The ways that we go out are going to look different to everyone, all right? The way I go out is going to look different than the way that you go out. Some of us are going to be preachers. That's what I am. I'm a preacher. Some of us are going to be teachers. Some of us are going to be skilled musicians. Some of us are going to be doctors. Some of us might be carpenters or electricians. Some of us might even package chocolate for a living. All right? Others might work behind a computer. The point is, is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do for a living. What matters is that you do it for the glory of God. Do all things to the glory of God. What matters is that we go. What matters is that we go out. As God leads we need to follow. Where God sends, we need to go. Now, the going out is going to look different for all of us, but there's some guiding principles that I want to talk about this morning that I want to encourage us with. When it comes to reaching Durango, reaching La Plata County with the gospel of Jesus Christ, listen, the message must never change, but the methods must continually change. 
too many Christians are either too far on the right or they're too far on the left. Okay? I guess you guys looking, this would be right, this would be left. Okay? Too many Christians are either too far on the right or too far on the left. And my goal for Grace Church is to be in that sweet spot. To be in the favor of God. To be those true worshipers that God is looking for. Those that worship Him in spirit and in truth. So first of all, let's talk about those Christians that are too far on the right. This is going to be fun. Alright? I'm excited for this. Those Christians who are too far on the right, many are in this room. We know all about fighting for the gospel. We're very good at fighting for the gospel. We got that down. We're always contending, we're always defending, and we're always fighting for the gospel. But the problem is, is we're doing it without love. We're biblically solid. I mean, you got so many verses memorized, you practically have the whole thing memorized. I mean, you're biblically solid, but you're culturally irrelevant. We don't, many of us don't know how to relate to people at all, and especially people in our culture. Christians who are too far to the right, they can defend any doctrine. You can argue with the best of them. You could win any debate contest. You love heretics. And you know why you love heretics? Because they taste good, all right? You devour them with your knowledge. Now listen, it's important to fight for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't mean to diminish that whatsoever. But God didn't send us into the world to devour non-Christians. No, he sent us to reach them. He didn't send us here to hate non-Christians. He sent us here to love them. Listen, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to be their friends. We're supposed to help answer their questions. He didn't send us here to win debate contests. That's not his goal for us. That's not his purpose for us. And some of you are fighting and defending the gospel, but you're not doing it in love, and you need to repent of that. You need to turn from that. You need to say, God, forgive me for doing this without love. Some of you are mean. Some of you are just flat-out weird. Okay? You're weird. You don't relate to anybody. You don't know how to relate to the culture. Listen, just humor me for just a moment, okay? When, when we send out missionaries to other countries, we don't have any problem with those missionaries learning the language of that country, right? Like, that's expected, man. They need to be able to speak their language so that they can communicate the gospel. We have no problem with that. We don't have any problem with those missionaries wearing the clothing of that culture, okay? We don't have any problem with missionaries eating the food of that country and even listening to the music of that country. Man, when missionaries go into another country, they got to learn that culture so that they can relate and they can communicate and they can share Jesus Christ. Why don't we do the same thing in our own city? It, it, it's something that's really confused me ever since I've been little. Why don't we do the same thing? Why don't we have a missionary mindset in our own culture? But so many people think it's compromise. Dude, you're compromising. You're compromising the Bible. You're compromising the gospel. You're too worldly. Let me say it again. Once again, we're not changing the message. The message cannot change. But we're changing the methods so that it's culturally relevant and it's accessible to people. Being in the culture, excuse me, being in the culture is not worldliness. Jesus was in the culture. Jesus was considered a friend of sinners. He was accused of being a wine-bibber, okay? He was a friend of sinners. He sat with sinners. He was in the culture. 
He was sinless. He was godly. He was holy. He was in the culture, but he wasn't of the culture. Jesus came to seek and to save those who were lost. Look at the way Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. And this is powerful. And, and just so we get the context here, Paul is talking about culture here. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 19 through 23. For though I am free from all, I have made myself a servant to all, that I might win more of them. To the Jews I became as a Jew in order to win the Jews. To those under the law, and when he's talking about the law, he's talking about the Old Testament law, okay? He's not talking about police officers and that type of law, okay? He's talking about Old Testament law. To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, so that by all means, I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I may share with them in its blessings. Woo! Wow! <clears throat> we could stop right there, man. Paul just nailed it for me. But I'm going to keep talking. Hopefully don't mess it up. Does this mean, okay, we just read this. Paul says, I have become all things to all men so that by all means, I want to see some people saved. I want to see some people changed by the power of God. Does this mean that we have a license to sin? We can do whatever we want. Does this mean that I need to be a drug addict in order to relate to a drug addict? You know, oh man, I, I just killed a few people so that I could relate to murderers, you know? It's like, no, man, that's not what Paul is saying, okay? Don't be crazy. Don't get weird. Let's stay focused. Paul's not talking about, about it that way. We're talking about being in a culture but still honoring Christ by the way that we live. Being in the world, but not of the world. Romans 6, 1 and 2 says, and this is Paul again, he says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. The King James Bible says, God forbid. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Once again, Grace Church, we are to be in the world, we're to be in our culture, but we should be, there should be a difference. We're not to be of the world. We're not to be of the culture. When Paul walked into a different culture, he loved people, he served people, and I would suggest that we do the same thing. Okay? It would be good for us to learn the language of our people. It would be good for us to know what they're listening to musically, to read some of their books, to watch some of their films, to better understand their hopes and their dreams and even their fears. Why? Why do we want to get to know people? So that we can win as many people as possible to Jesus Christ. That's the whole purpose. It's for the sake of the gospel. That's why we gave away over 280 turkeys a couple weekends ago. Okay? It's so that we could say, hey, here's a turkey. We love you. Jesus loves you. Man, you're invited to church, you know, so that we could have an opportunity to share the love of Christ with them. That's why we did, uh, if you guys remember, we did a, a forever long chocolate slip and slide. Okay, you remember that? We had uh, over 100 teenagers in this room right here, and we did a chocolate slip and slide. And it's like, why in the world would you do that? Man, we're just trying to get 100 teenagers in this room so we can tell them, hey, there's a different way to live. Jesus loves you. Hey, why, why is it that we did a flashlight Easter egg hunt, okay? We did an Easter egg hunt. We had over 300 people, parents and kids included. Over 300 people came. We did a flashlight Easter egg hunt. The whole purpose was so that we could say, hey, Jesus loves you. There's a different way to live. Why are we going to do a Christmas needs tree? 
I mean, we have a stack, seriously, from the turkey giveaway about that big of forms that were filled out, people filled out needs. We're going to hang them on the Christmas tree, and Grace Church is going to try to meet all those needs. Why in the world would we go to such length and such effort to do something like that? It's for the sake of the gospel. That's what it's for. And that's why we're always exploring other ways and ideas to share the love of God with our community. And we, we haven't gotten to this point, but I hope somewhere, somehow, someday, Grace Church can meet a need in the community. Like, man, we can, uh, we can do stuff to really make our city better. And the church is coming in and we're serving. And people say, you know what? That, that place really is like a city on a hill. Like I, it's a light to the darkness in our community. They, they want to be in this place because the love of Christ is just oozing out of them. The sad reality, though, is a lot of pastors, a lot of churches, and a lot of people, they bring shame to the name of Jesus when all they do is fight people with the gospel and they never love people with the gospel. Too many of us defend the truth, we fight heretics, we disprove all the false teaching, which isn't a bad thing, but I have one question for you. Who's being saved? Who's being baptized? Who's being added to the church? Who's repenting of sin? Are, are new churches being started? Oh man, you're like straight as a gun barrel. You, you know it all and you're right. But nothing's being done? Man, Paul was willing to do the hard work of relating to people because he wanted to share in the blessings of the gospel. And you know what the blessings of the gospel is? The blessings of the gospel is seeing people come to Jesus. That's the blessings of the gospel. Listen, the blessings of the gospel is seeing people set free from generational sins. The blessings of the gospel is seeing people build a godly legacy, a godly heritage. The blessings of the gospel is knowing that when people put their faith in Jesus Christ, their eternity is changed forever. There's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. That's the blessings of the gospel. And I just want to ask you, are you in? Are you in? You're like, what are you talking about, man? Well, hey, that's a problem right there. You don't even know, okay? Are you in? Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know what happens to you after you die? Like, none of us are getting out of this thing alive. Are you in? Do you need to grow up? Are you going out? Let's talk about... Is everybody okay? I'm getting some mean looks up here, man, and it's kind of freaking me out. Everybody okay? All right. All right, good. Thank you. Woo! Scaring me. Turkey comas. Let's talk about Christians really quickly who are too far to the left, okay? And this should also be kind of fun. Christians that are too far to the left. Some Christians are cool. They are just cool, man. And they are so cool, they're cooler than Christian, okay? Like you're hip, you're trendy, whatever the cool terminology is in our culture today, all right? Um, that, that's what you are. My, my boys and I, we like to uh, play football in the living room of our house, and I'm surprised that Trisha hasn't killed us yet. But we use a Nerf ball because that way we don't break anything, but for some reason things always get broke. Um, she did make a rule. We set up Christmas decorations, and it's like no football in the house. Um, but the other day, my son, Isaac, um, I usually just kind of sit back on the couch, and I'm the quarterback, and it's just really nice. Um, but my son, Isaac, made a really nice catch, and he couldn't stop bragging about it. And he said, Dad, did you see that catch? It was sick. You know, that was like the new terminology, I guess, today. It's sick. Um, and I'm kind of old. I'm like, when somebody's sick, you want to take them to the doctor and give them some medicine. I don't really know what that means, but nice catch, Isaac. That was good, buddy. Good job. Um, I guess one of the new phrases nowadays, too, is that's boss. I don't know if you've heard kids say that. Um, pastor Chris, our youth pastor, I had to ask him this morning because I'm old and out of touch. I'm like, 
what's some of the new terminology? And he said, I've been hearing kids say that's boss. Okay, so when they say that's cool, that's boss. So if you hear that, now you know. All right, kind of cool. But the point, the point is, what is the point of that? The point is, you have to have great influence into your culture. And some of you, man, you have great influence. Like you're friends with everybody. You know everybody. You're friends with everybody. But the problem is you never fight for the gospel. Okay? Everyone knows you, but nobody knows that you're a Christian. Like you hide that really well. Nobody knows that you love Jesus. And to that, a lot of people... Maybe you would say, hey, man, I'm letting my lifestyle do the preaching. And you know what? It's very important to live a godly lifestyle. That's very important. But there comes a time when we need to speak. There comes a time when we need to proclaim. And we need to let people know about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Man, you are so cool. So cool. You're in shape. You wear the latest fashion. Your appearance is just right. But when one of your friends says, what's the big deal about Jesus? Or they make comments like, I think every religion is the same. You respond by going, yeah. Or maybe you don't even respond at all because you lack courage. You may look and talk cool, but do you love Jesus? Are you willing to proclaim Jesus? Are you willing to fight for the gospel? Does anyone know? Does anyone know in your family, in your workplace, in your friends, in your school, does anybody know that you love Jesus? I always throw a challenge out to my boys, man, just to try to give them some courage and bravery. And when they go to school, I said, you guys, your challenge today is to pray before you eat lunch. And don't don't be afraid to bow your head if you're at, sitting at the table with all your buddies. Don't be afraid. Like, have some courage. Pray before you eat lunch. That's your challenge today. You know. And I usually ask them when they get home because I'm not there to see if they did or not, so they could be lying. But um, a lot of times they take me up on that challenge and just trying to instill in them, like, be courageous. Don't be afraid of what people think about you. Be willing to fight for the gospel. And some of your lives are very culturally relevant, but they lack purpose. Especially a lot of the younger guys, single guys, even some younger married men. Okay, you, you have no direction in life, no purpose, no drive. I have the same conversation with you week in and week out. Hey, what's going on? Not much, man. You know, and it's like, you just, you're not going anywhere in life, but you're cool, man. You're cool. You lack drive. You lack vision. You're not fighting for anything. Listen, we're not here to beat people into heaven. But we're also not here to pet people into heaven. Okay? Listen to Paul again in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 24 through 27. Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one receives the prize? So run that you may obtain it. Do you hear what Paul's saying there? He says, man, live your life on purpose. Like, have some vision. Have some direction. Do things on purpose. We're not supposed to just float along. He goes on to say, every athlete exercises self-control in all things. And they do it to receive a perishable wreath. I mean, the things that Olympians put their bodies through just to win a gold, a silver, a bronze. But Paul says, we're doing it to win an imperishable. We're doing it for <laughs> blessings in heaven. He goes on to say, so I do not run aimlessly. Okay, there it is again. Your life needs focus. Where are you going? Are you fighting for the kingdom of God? What's the purpose of your life? Paul goes on to say, I do not box as one beating the air, but I discipline my body and keep it under control, lest after preaching to others, I myself should be disqualified. Listen, our goal 
is to be biblically solid as a church. Man, we want to be biblically solid. This is our authority. We are under the Bible, not over the Bible. This is our authority. But we also want to be culturally relevant. Truth without love is a waste of time. Passion without truth leads people astray. Grace Church, we need to be in that sweet spot where we worship God in spirit and in truth. We're not too far to the right. We're not too far to the left. We're biblically solid, and we're connecting. We relate with others in our culture. We're friends with sinners. I want to end this message this morning with a couple of reminders and actually a bit of advice. First of all, let me remind us that we want to grow here at Grace Church. Like if you're just looking for a nice little country church, this isn't it. Okay, We want to grow. We want to reach people. We want to make a difference in our culture. But growth can involve some pain. And I just want to remind us, like we're in a spiritual war. We're in a spiritual battle. Going out is not going to be easy. We need to grow because it's about reaching people. And the more people we reach, the more we grow. It's real simple. And let me just speak really frankly, all right? As the pastor, I have the right to speak very frankly. Sometimes Christians who are in church for a long time, they can become very possessive. And they almost have like a club mentality. Like once I'm in the club, you look down on everybody else that isn't in the club. And that is not biblical. It's not godly. This isn't a club. Listen. You don't run this place. I don't run this place. You know who runs this place? God. This is his body. He shed his blood for this church. This isn't your show. It's not my show. It's God's show. And the more we realize that it isn't about us, the more effective we become. In order for us to grow, we have to have a bunch of people with a servanthood mentality. Like we're here to serve. It's not about what I can get out of church. It's about what I can give. Even the scripture says it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you've noticed, the culture in our church is changing. I mean, if you've been paying attention at all, your eyes have been open at all, the culture in our church is changing. We're becoming more and more concerned about serving people outside of these walls. Our mission is is to reach people, not spiritually fatten people. And that's what a lot of churches are all about, man. They come in and they go to, you know, a Sunday morning service, a Sunday night service, a midweek Bible study, a small group, a ladies' Bible study, or a men's Bible study. They have all this study, 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 and they do nothing with it. Man, that's not our job is to spiritually fatten people. Our job is to make a difference, to go reach people. Man, too many Christians, just they just want to sit. They want to just soak it in. But the problem is when they do that, they begin to sour. They take and they take, but they never give back. I know some of you are like, man, come on, man. It's just Thanksgiving. Like, why are you being so mean? I'm not being mean, okay? I just want you to know that I'm saying these hard things because I love you. And I'm not going to just tickle your ears, man. I want to be your pastor. Some people have that mentality, like, Justin, I come to church, I go to a small group, I attend a Bible study, what more do you want? And I want to clarify this confusion. You're just taking. You're just taking. You sit in church and you take in a message. That's what you're doing right now. You're taking in a message. You go to a small group and you take in a study. You go to a Bible study, and you take in another study. You're just taking. 
So when are you going to get to that point where you start giving back? Just an honest question. I don't intend to offend anyone. I, I, I kind of do want to step on your toes a bit, just to be honest. But when, when are you going to start giving back? When are you going to put what you've learned into practice? When, when are you going to deal with the sin in your life? When are you going to stop complaining and start serving? And I just want to encourage you, don't take in so much that you just like explode spiritually. I've seen it happen before. It's really messy. Take what you've learned and put it into practice. And we do that by going out. That's how we do it. By going outside of these walls and making a difference. Listen, the more people that come in, the harder it is to take care of those people. And it's a, it's a tough job to minister to five people, let alone 205 people. And for some of us, go out, will be ministering right here in the church. For some of us, go out will mean that you're a small group leader. And I just, I want us to understand our plan here at Grace Church to take care of people. Our, our plan to take care of people is through small groups. And just so you know, small groups is the tool that we're using to take care of people. And I believe that the healthier our body is, the more effective we will be. It's just like your physical body, man. If you're out of shape and you go hunting and you climb that mountain, whoo, it's rough. I, I'm speaking from experience, okay? That's, that's not good. But, man, when you're in shape, everything works better. You can breathe better. You can sleep better. Your mind is better. You have more energy. And it's the same thing in the church. When our body is healthy, things work better. So how are we going to keep our body healthy? It's through small groups. I have a whiteboard. I'm going to use a little visual this morning. But a lot of churches tend to function this way, okay? And I'm awful at uh, um, drawing anything. So if my spelling is bad, please don't laugh too hard. But, uh, okay, that says people. And this is how a lot of churches function. They have a paid professional called a pastor, and he's expected to do all the ministry, okay? So you have a bunch of people in the church. Um, some, some people are bigger, some are taller, and you have some weird-looking people. And, but there's people, okay? And then you have a pastor. And that pastor was hired to take care of all of the people, okay? So here the pastor is trying to support everyone, okay? And realistically, I mean, how many relationships can one person realistically have good, solid friendships where he's caring or she's caring for someone and they're really connected? And I mean, Realistically, how many relationships do you think someone can have? And so the pastor's trying to take care of everything, and you can see what happens here is that people get disgruntled, they get frustrated, and they begin to slip through the cracks. You know what? The pastor didn't say hi to me. He didn't call me. The jerk didn't take me to coffee. He didn't have me over to his house for dinner. And I'm out of here. And they leave. And they usually leave disgruntled. And let me just say, as a pastor, man, it stinks, man. Because there's some awful pastors out there, but there's a lot of good men who are doing their best to take care of people, and they can't do it all. They can't. And some people get frustrated, and they leave, and they fall through the cracks. And that right there, that pattern is how a lot of American churches work. There's a bunch of people, there's a paid professional, and his job is to take care of everything. And it's as unbiblical as unbiblical can be. It's awful. It's ridiculous. It doesn't work. And that's why there's a bunch of people running around that hate church, just to be honest with you, okay? So let me give you a picture. Oh, I shouldn't erase the people. That wouldn't be good. Let me give you a picture of what it should be, okay?
All right. So you still have people. Still have people. People, people, people. Okay. And the Bible says that we're supposed to, as pastors, we're supposed to invest in leaders. We're supposed to train up other men who will train other men, who will train other leaders. Okay. And what we do with small groups, we looked at last week in Acts chapter 2. Okay. They met in people's homes. They ceased not to, uh, man, they were participating in the apostles' teaching, in, um, in fellowship, in breaking of bread, and in prayers. Okay. So you have small groups. You have small group leaders. And first of all, you have Jesus. Okay. That's why all the time you get sick of me saying it, but we're all about Jesus here. He's the foundation. Okay, so he's holding it all up. And then you have, we actually have four pastors here at Grace Church. Okay. So we have four pastors. And then currently we have nine small groups. Okay. And I I was going to write small group leader, but that'll take a long time. You'll get really bored. So I'm just going to write numbers, okay? Four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight's in there. All right? Right now we have nine small groups, and they have leaders, small group leaders. So the job of the pastors is to support small group leaders, also supporting a few people, okay? The pastors are supporting the leaders. Pastors are supporting the leaders. And then the small group leaders are supporting the people, okay? They're taking care of people. They're praying for people. They go and visit them in the hospital. When someone has a death in the family, man, the small group leader is like the first one to call them and pray with them and encourage them. Um, They're celebrating victories together, okay? But then on top of this, pastors are supporting each other. Pastor Chris, Pastor Keith. Those are my two accountability partners. We pray together. Man, we, we, che- we keep each other accountable. So pastors are supporting each other. Let me just say, we're not here yet, but we're going this way. Small group leaders, we're, we're trying to get to the point where they're supporting each other. Okay, How did your small group go? Man, it was rough. I need some prayer. I need some encouragement. Can you give me some advice? Can you give me some counsel? Okay, So they're supporting each other. And then, you know what the Bible says, too? We're to edify one another. We're to build up one another. And that's the people. The people should also be encouraging one another. It's not just about Pastor Justin taking care of everything. It's about you having the guts to say, hey, can I pray with you? Man, what's wrong? You look down today. Can I encourage you? And so the people are also encouraging one another. And you know what? When it begins to happen like this, where people are taking care of people and small group leaders are taking care of people and pastors are supporting the leaders and Jesus, man, we're, we're in touch with Jesus. We abide in Jesus. Uh, we rest in Jesus. Look at that. There's no room for anyone to slip through the cracks because they're all being cared for. They're all being taken care of. And what this does, it makes it to where we can more effectively go out. Man, Johnny, you know, he's witnessing the people on his job. Susie is baking cookies for her neighbor because they had a rough week. And people are going out. We're more able, we're more effective, we're better able to go out because we're healthy. We're taking care of each other. We're a healthy body. We can make more of a difference. It's not just about a paid professional, okay? It's not about one guy, two guy, even four guys. The Bible says that we're all ministers, okay? It's the priesthood of the believers. We're all to be going out. We're all to be taking care of each other. That's how it should work. And that way people aren't slipping through the cracks. People supporting each other, loving each other. Man, we're going to be better. We're going to be able to go out more effectively because we're a healthy body. And lastly this morning, last thing I want to say, I want to give you a bit of advice, 
your level of involvement here at Grace Church, your level of involvement is totally up to you. You have the right to say no here at Grace Church. You have the right to say no. If I ask you to do something, Pastor Chris asks you to do something, Keith, Pastor Bob, you can say no. But the Bible tells us to provoke one another to love and good works. And I just want to be up front with you so you know what to expect. We as pastors, we're going to push. We're going to push. Okay, There is a world that is lost, that's dying, and that is going to hell. And some people say, you know what, don't put pressure on me. God is the one who saves people. Yes, you're right. God does save people, but he uses us to preach, to teach, to sing, to serve, to share his love. And I'm not just going to stand by and watch as people die without Jesus. And I don't know about you, but I want to see people come to faith in Jesus Christ. We're going to push. We're going to provoke you to love and good works. We're going to always be trying to, man, to grow. And don't, please don't be offended at that. It, we're actually instructed as pastors to do that. We're not just going to float along. We're going to push. Where are you? Individually, man, where are you? Are you in? Have you been saved? Have, have you been baptized? Have you committed to Grace Church? Do you need to grow up? Like, do you, are you under solid biblical preaching and teaching? Do you have godly friends? Do you have any friends? Do you worship God in community? Like, how's your prayer life? And lastly, are you going out? Man, you're saved, you've been baptized, you've been discipled, you're grown up, but you're not doing anything? That doesn't make sense. That's unhealthy. That's not right. Remember, James says, faith without works is dead. Man, you know where you're at, okay? You know your heart. You know where you're at. And I just want to encourage you this morning to make decisions. Like, you know where you're at. You know where you want to be. Like, make decisions to get there. Make changes. If you keep doing the same thing over and over, right, definition of insanity, you've got to do something different. Do something different. Make a change. And the results, the outcome will be different. Let's make decisions to get where we need to be. All right, let me close in prayer. Thanks for listening. Thanks for putting up with me. It's an honor to be your pastor. Father God, I thank you for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that it's real, that it's true, that it's powerful. Throughout the centuries, it has been changing lives. It has been softening hearts. It has even changed many cultures. Jesus, we never get sick of hearing about you. I pray that we would live lives believing in you. We would live powerful lives, effective lives because of you, Jesus. I pray that we would live in the sweet spot, not too far to the right, not too far to the left, I pray that we, through the power of the Holy Spirit, would be able to reach our culture. Man, Lord Jesus, I pray that you'd help us to reach Durango, help us to reach La Plata County with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we pray these things, Jesus, the most wonderful name. We pray these things in your name.